Well, hello there and welcome into another edition of The Intersection with conversation about a variety of topics, including news, information, and lifestyles approached from a Christian worldview perspective. Not too long ago, Robert Jeffress from First Baptist Church of Dallas wrote a book designed to inform readers about what the Bible has to say about heaven. In a follow-up effort, he has now put together a book oriented toward children that answers questions about heaven. Here are some of his comments ahead. Also, more material from Faith Radio Meeting House Media Central at the 2019 Christian Product Expo International in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Cindy Wilkins had an encounter with flesh-eating bacteria, which resulted in her becoming a quadruple amputee. She stopped by to share about how God has worked in her life and encouraged her even through the midst of this crisis. Then it's Lori Wildenberg who describes parenting as being messy, but it's certainly worthwhile. She shared some insight in navigating this vital God-given role in a conversation at CPE International. And coming up on this edition of The Intersection, just days after Constitution Day, commemorating the signing of the U.S. Constitution in 1787, Lathan Watts of First Liberty Institute underscored the importance of the Constitution and its provisions in light of challenges to the rights protected by it. Finally, more CPE coverage with Peggy Sue Wells. She has written on the topic of human trafficking, which is modern-day slavery, and offered not only insight but information on how to combat this very serious and pervasive activity. This is The Intersection, a production of The Meeting House. I'm Bob Crittenden. Robert Jeffress is senior pastor of First Baptist Church of Dallas, Texas, and the speaker on Pathway to Victory. He talked with me recently about his latest book entitled A Place Called Heaven for Kids, 10 Exciting Things About Our Forever Home, addressing a number of concepts about our heavenly home on a children's level, including the important matter of how someone gets to heaven through a relationship with Christ. Here now is Robert Jeffress. You know, it seemed like, Bob, nobody was talking about heaven that much. Very few people talk about eschatology and prophecy. There's a realm of thinking today that somehow that that's irrelevant to our everyday life. People want to know how to have better marriages, how to rear their kids, and so forth. And we don't need uh, Bible prophecy in heaven. That's kind of pie in the sky. You probably heard the saying, people who are so heavenly-minded, they're no earthly good. Uh I've never met a person like that. And I think about C.S. Lewis's words. He said the problem is not that we think about heaven too much, but we think about it too little. He said the history has shown that the Christians who have been most effective in this world are those who thought most about the next world. And then his classic line, he said, aim at heaven and you get earth thrown in. Aim at earth and you get neither. And I think, you know, the Bible says we ought to be thinking about heaven. We ought to be living now in light of the Lord's return. And so I wrote this book, A Place Called Heaven, a couple of years ago. And, Bob, I mean, it immediately became a national bestseller because in this world filled with hurricanes and, and gun violence and every other malady you can imagine, divorce, people want to know that there's a better world awaiting them. This world is not what God intended it originally to be. 
see. But one day, Jesus Christ is coming back, and he's going to reclaim what is his. And so I wrote this book, and what I did in the book originally was to take the ten most frequently asked questions about heaven and reveal what God's Word says about those questions. Do we know one another in heaven? Do people in heaven know what's happening on earth? What are we going to do in heaven? And so forth. Tell me just a bit about how you, as we might say, transformed or adapted the material from the book A Place Called Heaven into making it something that children can relate to. This new book, A Place Called Heaven for Kids, it's 32 pages, it's written in language children can understand, and it's filled with beautiful, colorful illustrations. We engaged an award-winning children's artist, and, and I answered 10 questions kids have about heaven. And you know what we found, Bob, was children are being exposed to death on a regular basis. It may be the death of a grandparent or a friend. It may be what they see on TV, these mass tragedies and shootings. And those things spark questions and sometimes fears in children. And this is a great tool for parents or grandparents to sit down with their children and go through some of these questions like, you know, where is heaven? Uh, What are we going to do in heaven? And then at the very end, we answer the most important question, who is going to be in heaven? And the book closes with a clear plan of salvation and a prayer of salvation that a parent can lead his child in to know Christ as Savior. And I'm telling you, Bob, the response to this book, it's just been out a few days. It already zoomed to Amazon as the number one Christian children's book. Uh, They can't keep them in stock. They're going so quickly. And what we're finding, Bob, is this is so interesting. Grandparents are buying this book, not just one or two at a time, five at a time, to give to their grandchildren, because many grandparents are very concerned that their grandchildren aren't being taken to church by their adult uh, children. Share with us about why you feel it's important for children to really grasp some of these truths about heaven as they walk through this process of of grief and responding to loss. This isn't just for children who are exposed to death. I mean, children are exposed to the heartache of this world at a very early age. It may be they experience bullying at school. Maybe they go through a divorce of their parents. Uh, The pain they feel is just as real as the pain we feel as adults. And although we can't necessarily deny and don't want to deny their pain, we can give them the hope that as painful as this world is, it's also temporary and that God has a better future for us. Every child needs that as well as every adult. And what we're finding is, you know, parents, our children are much smarter. They're much more advanced today than they were 20 or 30 years ago just because of media and uh, 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 access to iPhones and television. And the most important thing I tell parents is when their children are experiencing loss of some kind, tell them the truth. They need to know the truth, and that's why this book, A Place Called Heaven for Kids, it's filled not just with the words of Robert Jeffress. It's filled with the Word of God. There are Bible verses throughout this uh, book that let children know the truth of what God says. Robert Jeffress here on The Intersection. Learn more through the website ptv.org. Next up on this edition of The Intersection Podcast, 
From Faith Radio Meeting House Media Central at the Christian Product Expo International in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, Cindy Wilkins, who is a quadruple amputee, the result of an experience with flesh-eating bacteria, shared elements of her story and God's faithfulness to her in the midst of this health struggle. She's authored a book called Shine On, The Remarkable True Story of a Quadruple Amputee, Here now is Cindy Wilkins. Well, Bob, you know, I talk about um, facing that moment in time where we don't know how we're going to overcome something in my book, Shine On. And I talk about that moment in time as being the space in between, that moment Uh in trial when you don't know how you're going to overcome something. And in that moment, I ask the question we always ask when we don't know how things are going to um, be, how how the future is going, what the future is going to hold, whether it's facing a life challenge or or a health challenge, and I said, why me? Why me? And I cried out to God over and over again, God, how could you let this happen to me? And um, my children came to visit me, and the impact of seeing that my son had no idea who I was because he was a baby and he had already attached to a nanny, and my daughter was afraid of my arms, that impact Mm -hmm. took me to the deepest sorrow I'd ever experienced. And I cried out to God again. And God stepped in and just answered so many questions in my heart. Questions like, what am I going to do? My son doesn't know who I am. And how will I know he knows who I am? And I talk about those answers in the book. But what he really did was make himself present to me when he sent in a nurse to read the very first piece of scripture that reached out and touched my heart. And it was Psalm 139. You knit me together in my mother's womb, and I am fearfully and wonderfully made. See, I was at the end of myself and in the darkest point of my life. And in comes this piece of scripture that tells me that God created me with purpose and love. And I had this image of me being um, woven together and in my mother's womb before time as I knew it. And the depth of the love that God had for me. And I knew that he was crying with me, that he had not caused this. But in our times of pain and suffering, he cries with us, just as Psalm 56 would eventually tell me. All right, I want to isolate this. I think this is critically important here. We may have listeners at this point that are experiencing what you call a space in between. I love that description. It says a whole lot. In your situation, you were in this period of time where you were coming in, uh, into terms or coming to terms with what had happened to you with respect to mm-hmm. your loss, that you had lost your limbs and really... And I guess one of the components of that space in between is like, well, what do I do next? How do I deal with this? How do I process this? How do I even move forward? And and I would imagine that people get in that situation and they, they want to give up because it's so overwhelming. We may have people that are listening today, I would imagine we do, who perhaps they've received a medical diagnosis mm-hmm. of, of cancer for instance, for themselves or for a loved one. Maybe they've had a loved one that has been in an accident. Maybe there's a relationship that has broken apart and people are living in that space in between and not exactly sure what to do next. What words of encouragement do you give in the book Shine On and would you share with people today about navigating that space in between? Well, Bob, the f- I ha- that was not the first space in between that I sat in. I had sat in many more through my life, but yeah. I'd never reached out to Jesus truly until mm. that moment. And what I would say to you is, 
oh, I know you're sitting there and you don't know what the future holds and your heart is breaking and it probably is sitting on the floor in a million pieces. But it's only Jesus who can pick it up and put it back together again for you like he did for me. It's only Jesus that sits in the space between and waits for you to reach out and let him in. He said, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. The only kind of rest that we need in that moment is the one that comes from him. So whether you know him or you don't know him, I encourage you to just reach out to him and say, Jesus, this is yours. I need you to carry me through this because I don't know how to get through it myself. Cindy Wilkins here on The Intersection. Her website is cindy's, that's C-Y-N-D-I-S, story.com. Next on this edition of The Intersection, from CPE International, Lori Weldenberg shared insight on parenting related to her book, The Messy Life of Parenting, Powerful and Practical Ways to Strengthen Family Convictions. From that conversation, this is Lori Weldenberg. The book is really, I think it's really important for parents of kids in all stages and even for grandparents and how to relate to your kids. Um, We tend to do things with our our Western mindset in a way that encourages independence. And we all like independence, being Americans, and that's just a very natural thing for us. But I think we have actually, in raising our children, confused independence um, with responsibility. I think we mean to Mm. raise responsible children uh, responsible, you know, for themselves, responsible for their words, responsible to other people, um, for their actions. We want to raise responsible children rather than independent children. Because when we think of it, I mean, think of your, your father's heart. You want a relationship with your kids that lasts a lifetime. So mm. you really don't want to raise kids that are independent of you or independent from God. We would mm-hmm. like to be encourage those relationships in the midst. So interdependence. Yeah. So rather than independence, you're substituting the concept of responsibility. Yes. And there is a big, (laughs) there is certainly a big difference and parenting changes. Okay. You've said a couple of things and I don't want to get too far off the path, but it's very, very interesting when we look at parents who have released their children, as Mm -hmm. Dennis Rainey says, into the world and and hopefully brought them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Christian parents, as you know, as they look back on their parenting journey, and again, it's not over, but it changes. Mm -hmm. So why do you think that perhaps parents do have, in a sense, regrets or wish they had done things a bit differently? Why do they experience those emotions and how can they deal with that? I think we experience those emotions because we get into a pattern that sort of feels comfortable with our personality and the way and the particular age of our kids. So when our kids are younger, we tend to be, you know, uh, of course, more highly and intimately involved as we should be. And that can look like, um, you know, we've heard of the helicopter parent. It, mm-hmm. it can look like that, or it can, be, it can look like the, you know, we're best buddies. And as, as kids get older, we need to step into a little different role. And it's still equally as important, but not as intensely involved, but still involved in a, 
in a way that um, our kids have an opportunity to own some things and to grow. And I think that's when we have regrets, when we've come down maybe too hard in a situation where we could have perhaps, they're at an age where perhaps we could have asked some questions and they could respond in a way where they're actually learning something from a choice that wasn't the best choice, wasn't God's best for them. Um, or even allowing them the freedom to to fail and rather than swoop in and, and fix everything because then they're not building up any resiliency either. So I think when we go on the two extremes, which tend to be a little bit more when we have younger kids, we forget as they are moving and growing and maturing, our parenting needs to shift and um, we need to be aware of that as we're connecting with our kids. Lori Wildenberg here on The Intersection. Her website address is Lori, L-O-R-I, Wildenberg, W-I-L-D-E-N-B-E-R-G dot com. This is The Intersection podcast, a weekly production of The Meeting House, and you can find out more by going to meetinghouseonline.info or by visiting the programming section at faithradio.org. You'll find a link to the Media Center marked Meeting House On Demand, through which you can listen to or download full conversations with recent guests on the Intersection podcast. You can also find the podcast in the Media Center. It's also available through iTunes. Plus, through the Meeting House homepage, there are links to two blogs. One is The Three with three stories of relevance to the Christian community. There's also The Front Room with devotional thoughts and commentary from the Meeting House program. And you can follow me on Twitter and access the Meeting House Facebook page. There is also a link to video content, including recently added content from CPE International, as well as the Getty Music Worship Conference Sing 2019. Find it through meetinghouseonline.info or by going to the programming section at faithradio.org. Conversations from the Meeting House program can be found not only through that webpage, but also through the Faith Radio app. You can also find it through a variety of podcast platforms. Learn more when you visit the Meeting House homepage. Well, continuing now with this edition of the Intersection Podcast, Lathan Watts serves as Director of Legal Communications for First Liberty Institute. In the aftermath of Constitution Day on September 17th, he shared insight into the significance of the U.S. Constitution and analyzed threats to it. From that conversation, this is Lathan Watts now. The founders sought to establish a government on the idea that the only reason to have government is to protect the God-given rights of the people. And this document that they that they set out to uh, to draft is basically a contract between the governing and the governed. And it sets out, it is intended to limit the authority of the federal government. And the, the idea that... Um, the rights that government is uh, entrusted to protect do not come from the government. You're endowed by, the, by your creator with those rights. The government's job is to protect those God-given rights. And they knew that the same power entrusted to government to protect those rights could be used to abuse those rights, which is why they set out to limit what the federal government could do. And that's where um, the Bill of Rights and uh, other portions of the Constitution, that's, that is the main idea. And there are a lot of people, um, especially in you know the never-ending election cycle, talking <laughs> a lot about um, you know problems in this country, and a lot of people you know attack the Constitution as part of the problem. Well, the Constitution is not the problem; it is the solution. If if there's a problem with the Constitution, is that 
not enough people know what's in it. And, you know, like I said in the, in the piece, a constitutionally illiterate people will elect constitutionally illiterate representatives who will make constitutionally illiterate decisions. And frankly, you know, our work at First Liberty Institute, where we, you know, solely uh, focus on religious liberty, at all levels of government, we end up dealing with these constitutionally illiterate decisions. And uh, in many cases, we have to go to court. Sometimes we're able to settle things without going to court. But that that is our mission. And that is what we do day in, day out, is defend the right of people of all faiths in this country to live according to their faith. And if there's anything more dangerous than ignorance of what's in the Constitution, it is, and I'm using, I know this is radio, air quotes, knowing things about the Constitution that just aren't so. Um, for example, First Amendment protects my right to say whatever I want until I say something that makes you a little uncomfortable. And then I shouldn't have the right to do that. Well, that's not in there. <laughs> um, the, the free exercise of religion is about your right to believe whatever you want or go to church wherever you want. Uh, but come Monday morning when you go out, you know, into uh, to work or school or wherever, you got to leave that all behind. That you know, religious freedom is uh, for the weekend, not for the for the real world. Well, that's not in there either. Free exercise. The word exercise implies activity. And, you know, that's a, your right to live according to what you believe uh, every day of the week, not just Sunday. So there are um, you know cases that we that we are involved in all over the country at all levels of the court system where we are dealing with the fallout of a constitutionally illiterate people. Um, you know, we want to help with that. We provide a lot of resources on our website. In fact, if people can get a free copy of the Constitution if they just go to firstliberty.org slash Constitution. There's a free copy waiting for you. Um, you mm. know, the, the founders expected that we, the people, would be the first guardians of our own liberty, and you cannot defend your own rights if you don't know what they are. So you know, it begins with... Um, educating yourself, and we're happy to help with that. And then if you find yourself um, in a situation where uh, specifically religious liberty is being threatened, then you know who to call, and we'll be happy to help. Um, but the, uh, the the reverence for the Constitution you know, should not be uh, resigned to one day a year uh, where we talk about the Constitution. You know, we need to... Uh, we need to get back to revering that document for what it is um, and uh, live accordingly every day of the year. Lathan Watts here on The Intersection. Learn more by going to the First Liberty website, where you can also request a copy of the Constitution. The website address is first, spell it out, firstliberty.org. Finally, on this edition of The Intersection Podcast, it's Peggy Sue Wells, author of The Slave Across the Street, the true story of how an American teen survived the world of human trafficking. She is also the author of Slavery in the Land of the Free, a student's guide to modern-day slavery. At the 2019 Christian Product Expo International in Tennessee, she shared insight about human trafficking and proposed potential solutions to this form of modern-day slavery. From that conversation, this is Peggy Sue Wells now. I will tell any parent, anyone who's in charge of children, anyone who is their, their guardian, know what is happening with them. Know where they are. Know who they're talking to on their phone. If you are, you are the parent, you pick up that phone, you need to look through it daily. I did that with my kids. I have seven kids. I didn't want anything to happen. And even then, I had one daughter who was communicating with somebody that was a danger. And I wrote the book, you know. So you have to take your kid's phone 
phone. You got to look through their phone, look through the apps that they're on, make sure they're not communicating with somebody who is a predator, somebody who's dangerous, somebody that they don't even know who they're talking to. Also, you got to be on their Facebook, you got to be on their Twitter, you've got to know who they're talking with. Show up at their school, show up at where they're supposed to be having maybe music lessons, or if they're supposed to be in sports, or if they said they're babysitting, or they said that they're at a friend's house. Just every so often show up and make sure that they are where they are supposed to be. Be aware of who they're hanging out with. Make sure that when they come home from school, they're not just out on their own. Maybe they go to a neighbor's to do their homework or what have you. But, you know, our children, it's not our children's fault. Our children are young and they are trusting and they're innocent, but they are children. And so we're literally having to protect them from predators who are smart and who know how to find their weaknesses and who know how to groom and get to them. So we have to be the the adults in the situation. Mm. We have to protect our young ones. And you obviously write from a Christian worldview perspective. Talk about the role of the church in combating modern-day human trafficking. Yes, if you, the church can particularly take a look at one out of every four homes is led by a single parent. That single parent generally is working very, very hard to keep a roof over their head and to keep food on the table. And so a lot of times they have less opportunity to keep an eye on where their children are at all times. But the church can pitch in. The church can help to say, you know, I'll keep an eye on. I'll stop by once in a while. I'll provide that we'll go pick them up from school or we'll drop them off. Anything that you can do that you're helping that mom take care of her kids. Anything that you can do that you can help that mother to be able to do what she's Mm. doing so that our kids stay safe. The churches can also um, make sure that you're checking the people that are working with the children, the youth pastors and the teachers and the coaches and that sort of stuff. But come alongside children and anybody that looks like they're just not fitting in. Find friends to come alongside them. Make sure that they have a good peer group. Invite them in. Get to know them. But we don't want anybody left behind. We don't want anybody left out on the fringes because those are the ones that are being picked off. Well, this is obviously a a big issue. I know the statistic that many people cite is 27 million people being trafficked worldwide. 300,000 U.S. children every year. That's Mm. just our children. And it is turned modern-day slavery. And a point that you make, and I think it's a very good one, it's a great ending point for us today in our conversation, is that as we look at the history of the U.S., we can actually look at how this nation ended slavery with with respect to people owning other people of a a different race. So we've seen that in our country, and we've seen it brought to an end. Now, here's another form of slavery. The possibility is there to end it, but it takes a lot of action and people banding together. It is the ultimate epitome of bullying, and we we stopped it once before, and we can stop it again. And there's no country on the planet that has slavery as something that's legal, and yet we have more slaves today than we ever have in history. We need to stand up and stop this. So what's the, what are the answers that the legal system is, is offering? It used to be that there was nothing illegal about being a John, about somebody who was utilizing these girls. We didn't have anything on the books about being a trafficker either because it was so outside of our comprehension. We didn't think we needed rules for it. There have been some states that have been very fast to step up and make legislation that says this is illegal so that when the police do a bust, we can put these people behind bars. Some states are still very slow. They haven't caught up yet. So check your uh, legislation in your area. But, you know, even even if it's 
legal or not legal, push it so that it will be illegal to do this, but then at the same time, keep an eye on the children around you and make them as safe as you can. Peggy Sue Wells here on The Intersection. Her website address is PeggySueWells.com. Well, we are nearing the end of this week's edition of the Intersection Podcast, a weekly production of The Meeting House. Learn more through meetinghouseonline.info or by going to the programming section at faithradio.org. You'll find a link to the Media Center where you can listen to or download full conversations with recent guests featured on the podcast. Also, those conversations can be found on the Faith Radio app and through a variety of other podcast platforms. Also, when you visit the Meeting House homepage, you'll find a link to the Intersection podcast. It's available through the Media Center as well as through iTunes. And there are two blogs accessible. One is The Three with three stories of relevance to the Christian community that is updated weekly. There's also the weekday commentary from the Meeting House program, The Front Room. You can find that as well with devotional thoughts and commentary from the Meeting House program. And you can follow me on Twitter and access the Meeting House Facebook page. There's also a link to video content, including recently added content from not only the Getty Music Worship Conference, Sing 2019 in Nashville, but also the CPE International event in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Again, that website address is meetinghouseonline.info or visit the programming section at faithradio.org. Thanks for joining me for this edition of the Intersection Podcast. I'm Bob Crittenden.